Hello and welcome to the first ever Chop Dat podcast. I am your host, Sean the Colorblind. Uh, welcome. This is exciting. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Uh, it's been taking me about a month and a half to really get this started and um, how I wanted to do it right and correctly. Basically, the Chop Dad Sports uh, uh, Sportscast podcast is all about Louisiana sports. Um, probably why you're here, because you're a Louisiana sports fan. You're either a Saints fan, Pelicans fan, LSU, Southeastern, uh, Breakers. We're going to cover it all, every single one, uh, from the minors up to the major league. Um, who am I? Um, my name is Sean. I went to Southeastern Louisiana University. I studied in kinesiology. No, I did not study in communications, so if I mess up or do anything wrong, I'm sorry. Um, I played sports. I was a sports guy. I, uh, I played soccer growing up throughout my life, and then when I got to high school, I played lacrosse and ended up playing lacrosse at Southeastern Louisiana University for two years, and then after I graduated, um... Southeastern, I went back to lacrosse and played in the IBLA for the Baton Rouge Redfish. Um, the two years in college that I was not playing lacrosse, however, I was part of the um, Southeastern Louisiana University football team uh, staff. Uh, the first year uh, was the COVID year, and I was the sports videographer. Um, so I was able to travel with the team and they liked me. They liked the energy that I brought. They liked that I was able to just communicate with the team and just hang out with them and then not really like freak out and fangirl, but just, you know, kind of just treat them as like normal human beings that they want to be treated. Um, they offered me um, a, a spot on the strength and conditioning staff my senior year and I was able to do my internship through that. Um, and it was just an amazing experience. And ever since then, I've had a, a huge relationship with uh, Southeastern um, Louisiana football uh, program. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, first and foremost, we're going to talk about the Saints because the Saints have always been the top dog of uh, Louisiana sports. However, this year, not so much. Um, this episode, by the way, is going to be a recap. Um, I am going to be talking about today's game. At the time of this recording, it is January 1st, which is a Sunday. The Saints and Philadelphia Eagles just play, played, and Saints beat Philadelphia. Um, I didn't want to say I called it. Um, I did tweet out, you know, what if the Saints, you know, pull off the upset or whatever. Um, I did have a feeling that they were going to win. I just have a feeling that the Eagles this year have a 2009 Saints feel to them. Right, um, whenever they close out the season or um, they uh, play like a, a a team that is really looked over, um, they lose the game. Uh, they lost against um, the Commanders, which they looked over completely. They lost to the Cowboys, who is actually a, a, another Super Bowl contender um, this year. And um, that was towards the end of the season. And the Saints, well, towards the end of the season. Um, but, you know, 2009 Saints, they, they, they gave up at the end of the season and just really prepared for the playoffs. 
So I can kind of see that for Philadelphia. However, um, the Saints did win. That does not take away that they've had a really, really, really terrible season. Um, and you're like, oh, well, you know, they could finish out 8-9 or whatever. No. Uh, the expectations going into the season was very, very high. And Dennis Allen has dis- dis- um, disappointed a lot of the fan base. Andy Dalton has been a joke. Um, Jameis Winston, um, it really does pain me to say it, um, but he was not as good as I thought he was. However, I, I, I love Jameis's energy. I hope they keep him as like a backup or something, um, just moving forward. Um, I, I think he is great locker room energy, and I know the New Orleans Saints, as a lot of people know, the New Orleans Saints is a huge locker room culture type team. Um, so I hope they, they notice that and keep him. Andy Dalton sucks. Okay. He is garbage. He got sacked seven times and you cannot blame the offensive line or, you know, players getting open, uh, all seven times. I I watched it with my, my dad and my girlfriend and, um, you know, Andy Dalton throughout the entire season has had gorilla glue grip hands. Like, he just cannot get rid of the ball to save his life. Or he just really doesn't want to get rid of the ball. That's the thing. He holds on to the ball way too long, and he, like, runs away, backpedals, giving the defense a better opportunity to sack you in a better position for them, and it happens. Ridiculous. I get it. One or two sacks a game, three sacks, you know, whatever, but seven. And then, you're, you know, people will be like, oh, well, the Eagles have, um, are going on a streak now for six-plus sacks a game. It's like, okay, you, you want a sticker? That is terrible. That is nothing to just, like, brush off and make an excuse for. That's terrible. That's flat-out terrible. Um, some positives from the season, however. Chris Olave. Uh, was definitely a draft um star, awesome, great pickup. Um, we knew that going into the season that he was gonna be something special, but we didn't know how special he was. Um, he's been phenomenal. He has really shown out when a lot of the players that um returned or that we kind of just were like, oh, he's gonna be good. We know it. Um, weren't good. He was good. Then you have Rashid Shahid. Undrafted free agent um, has been a total star for the Saints. Um, major pickup. Him and Chris Olave are the future of the Saints, and I am so excited to watch them uh, moving forward um, for years to come if you know we can get this quarterback thing under control because without a, a decent quarterback, I, I know they're going to probably be wanting to be traded. Um, Michael Thomas, I was optimistic about him coming back. He didn't come back, really. He came back for a few games, and of course, he injured himself again. And then they came out with the the probably the best graphic of the entire season, um, where a Washington uh, Commanders player was shot multiple times. And he comes back after like four games. And then Michael Thomas, you know, injures his ankle or whatever, out for the season. 
I don't think Michael Thomas wants to play here. Um, primarily because of Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. Um, because hear me out. Uh, a few. I want to say a week ago at most, uh, the Tom Brady Sean Payton thing rumor was spreading around, and Michael Thomas immediately posted on his Instagram story, almost excited about it. The last time a player from New Orleans did that was Anthony Davis. And, well, now he's, you know, trying to chase a bag in the Lakers. And he is like the SpongeBob character who's like, oh, my bones are glass and my skin is paper and I'm always injured. That's him. I really don't see Michael Thomas being a saint for too much longer. Especially if we don't get this quarterback thing under control. Now, speak bringing up Sean Payton, um, there are speculations that uh, we could potentially trade Sean Payton for somebody's first-round pick, which would be fantastic because we have none. We have none. Philadelphia has our uh, first-round pick, by the way. Um, that's embarrassing. We, you know, this entire season has been a bust. Uh, we, we've seen that Dennis Allen is not, is not the guy. Pete Carmichael is not the guy. Andy Dalton is not the guy. Jameis Winston is not the guy. Um, and we've had a really, really terrible season. The whole NFC South has had a terrible season, but that, that's no excuse. And we don't have a first-round pick to kind of make up for it. Uh, moving forward but there are speculations that the saints are in high interest for hendon hooker which in my opinion should have been a heisman finalist it shouldn't have been stetson bennett and people were like oh well he's leading his team to the national championship that's not what makes a heisman finalist or a heisman trophy winner at all um hendon hooker should have been you know, going to New York City to uh, the ceremony. But he wasn't because he got injured. Um, and a lot of teams are going to overlook him for that. And there's a lot of great quarterbacks in the draft. Uh, Max Duggan, I'm thinking CJ Shroud, Stetson Bennett. Um, I think Caleb Williams, maybe. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I haven't done a lot of research on Caleb Williams. But Hendon Hooker is a name that keeps popping around the Saints um, for mock drafts and scouts and that type of deal and just people looking at them. So I'm very, very eager to see, you know, as we get closer to the draft day, what the Saints are looking at when it comes to a quarterback. Because they're obviously, they don't have the answer right now. They, don't not, they do not have the answer right now. The one quarterback that is making plays is not a quarterback either. It's Taysom Hill. I... Pete Carmichael needs to understand whenever you give the ball to Taysom Hill more, uh, you'll nine, eight, eight, nine, ten. I'm sorry, eight, nine out of ten times will win the game. But he doesn't. Pete, Mark, Pete Carmichael doesn't know what is going on. And some people would be like, oh, well, you know, this is Sean Payton's staff. Sean Payton was making the calls, as we can tell. Pete Carmichael has no idea what's going on. Dennis Allen is trying to hold on for his life 
in my opinion, Dennis Allen, P. Carmichael, and I'd even throw in Mickey Loomis needs to go. Uh, that whole front office needs to to change, and um, Miss Benson needs to start looking for some um other staffing options for the season to come. On the defensive side, however, um, two names that really really stick out that have really, or three actually, um, done a phenomenal job, and it's not Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan has done a phenomenal job. He just passed up Ricky Jackson's, um. All-time sacks uh, record. And it's not Demario Davis. It's not Tyran Matthew. Get to that in a second. Not Courtney Rowe. It's not Marshawn Lattimore. It is Pete Warner. It is Caden Ellis. And it is Alante Taylor. All three of those guys have done a fantastic job this year. Absolutely fantastic. Everyone has earned a starting position somewhere. And I just love how... Pete Warner and and Caden Ellis really, really just bring down the hammer on some of these opponents. They are a force to be reckoned with, definitely. Um, there was a a, a play during special teams. Um, he was like, uh, the Saints were punting, and it's the fourth quarter, and Pete Warner got blocked like fifteen yards away from the ball, and he gets up and just smokes the punt returner. Imagine what he would have done if he didn't get blocked. He would have probably taken the guy's head off. So those guys have definitely earned a starting spot. Um, a lot of things need to change. Um, I really don't see Sean Payton coming back. I really don't see Tom Brady becoming a quarterback for the Saints. I know those rumors are going around. I do see Hendon Hooker uh, being really, really sought after and them trading Sean Payton um, for a first-round pick to potentially pick up Hendon Hooker or C.J. Shroud. I think C.J. Shroud would be good, too. The chemistry is already there with Chris Olave, and Michael Thomas would probably get hyped about that, too. It's Michael Thomas got hyped about, um, you know, a minute after they redrafted Chris Olave, and they were working out, like, that weekend. Or, I'm sorry, the following week. I really, 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 really hope they get one of those two guys and not some, like, University of Alaska quarterback. You know, because they're notorious for doing that. They get, like, a first-round pick, and they pick up, like, some random person from who knows where, and it's not the position that we need. Um, And they do that all the time. So I really hope that they're smart here, uh, especially with this um, laughable season. Put it quite frank. However, what is not laughable are the Pelicans. Pelicans are the best in the West. Zion, in my opinion, should be the uh, comeback player of the year. Zion was out all year. And, you know, some people will say that he needs to rest up a little bit and prepare for the playoffs or, you know, he needs to take a break here and there because he hasn't taken a break. And he told in the press conference, he said, I rested all last year. I'm ready to play. I'm here to play. I, I'm not doing that. And he's really bought into what Drew Brees has told him, that if you give love to the city, the city will love you back. And he has bought into the city. Pelicans have been a joke for the NBA since they, you know, since we, since the Hornets left, and then we bought the Pelicans, or bought rights to keep, you know, a team in New Orleans and call them the Pelicans. They've been a joke forever. 
Zion, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Jose Alvarado, Jonas. I, I'm sorry, I can't even say his last name. Um, Herb. I'm trying to think of other players. Jackson Hayes. It, it, just all of them, man. They're just phenomenal players. This team is, is amazing. They're selling out the blender. The blender used to be like $45, $50 a ticket, and there might have been maybe 400, 500 people in the entire stadium. Now it's selling out. Now it's hard to get a ticket. You can't find a ticket for anything. You can't find a ticket for with a search warrant. This team has made a tremendous difference for the city of New Orleans. And for the entire state of Louisiana, especially with the Saints absolutely blowing it this year. Um, Willie Green deserves to be the coach of the year, in my opinion. He, uh, you know, goes to a team that is just a plummeting franchise and is just a joke in the NBA. And he, you know, the, he used to play for New Orleans and he has a lot of love for New Orleans. And he goes in there, high spirits. And says, I can handle this. And he does. We all thought he was joking. Because Pel the Pelicans have never been good. And now they're stars. And this looks like it could be a powerhouse franchise. For you know years to come. Super, super excited about this. Um, there's no telling where this is going. Because the Pelicans are just having fun with it. You see Zion doing a 360 windmill dunk on Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns, Monty Williams. And they're just having fun with it. Some people might say, oh, that wasn't good. That was unsportsmanlike on him. Screw that, dude. Pelicans have been a joke in the NBA since the, their beginning. Um, the Pelicans and the Suns have some, you know, beef. Going back to uh, last year's playoffs, CP3 with New Orleans, Monty Williams with New Orleans. Are you kidding me? And you're gonna say, "Oh, yeah, that's that's nice." Yeah, whatever. Go warm up the bench. Unbelievable. I can't believe people actually are like crying over that. I absolutely love it. I think that dunk should be a poster, and I would definitely buy it and hang it up right there. Pelicans are a New Orleans team right now. Saints can't pull it off. So it's just, you know, it's the Pelicans. And they just continue to just reign dominant in the West. They dominated the 76ers. Actually, New Orleans, they just beat the 76ers. Saints just beat Philadelphia. I absolutely love that. Have you ever been to Philadelphia? It's like a cesspool. It's disgusting. New Orleans owns Philadelphia. And I love it because I have never met a person from Philadelphia that I was actually like, oh, he's actually really nice. Maybe time will tell and maybe I'll meet somebody from Philadelphia who's actually really, really genuine. But when I went to Philadelphia, I absolutely hated it. Like zero out of five stars. Maybe I wasn't going to the right spots. Maybe I need like a tour guide. But it was just not it. Pelicans, best in the West. 
you know, Saints are an absolute dumpster fire. Now, when it comes to college football, my team, of course, a little bias here, because I'm a proud alumni, proud alumni, Southeastern Louisiana, Lions. Great season, tragic ending in the second round of the playoffs to Stanford um, in overtime. And it sucks because I knew about 80% of that roster because um, I, I recently graduated from there. And a lot of that roster was there when I was there. And it just sucks to because I, I know that I'll, all of them are good guys. There's been a, a, a few bad seeds. I'm not going to lie, in the football program. But one thing that Coach Selfo that really resonated with me, because I know personally, um, is that there, there's a good culture that lies within southeastern Louisiana football now. They kind of bought into the New Orleans Saints type thing, where if you have a good locker room um, culture, you have, you know, everyone's getting along, everyone's having fun with it, the wins will come. They sure have. Frank Selfo has proven that time and time and time again. And he has proven himself so much that Southeastern has become a force to be reckoned with in the Southland Conference. And it's not a joke anymore. They are a dynasty team in the Southland Conference. They won uh, their first conference championship uh, under the direction of Coach Selfo. They've also proven that they do not need Cole, Cole Kelly at the helm um, to make these gigantic wins. And that's not a knock at Cole Kelly. Cole Kelly is uh, one of my friends. Um, he's a really good guy. Um, so is Cephas, Cephas Johnson, um, and Eli Sawyer. All great guys. Um, but it's proven that there is something that is going on in Hammond, America, at Southeastern, that is just clicking with people. People are buying in. The, the city of Hammond has their backs entirely. They actually have, like, a dedicated fan base there used to be nobody that stayed for the second half of the football games now a lot of people are staying for the football game which is exciting a lot of people are watching it on espn plus instead of just ignoring it and kind of waiting for the final results on on instagram people are buying in a lot of people have you know uh left though which raises question for next year for lando jordan the All-American uh, DB has declared for the draft. Carlos Washington and Jesse Britt both transfers um, for the running back position. Zone 6, Coach Pori. Brandon Barbie. CJ Turner, um, who's been at Southeastern forever, he's declared for the draft. He will be missed. Danielle Ward-McGee will also be missed as well. They're all declaring for the draft. And then you have a few transfers going away. You have Zy Alexander going to LSU, which I'll be covering um, soon, and I'll probably get him on the podcast uh, more than once when the season comes um, and training camp comes around. Colin Scott is going to Alcorn. Darius Harry is going to um, Southern. Jack Henderson, good friend of mine. from uh, We went to the same high school together as well um, and played lacrosse together at uh, Mandeville. He's going to Minnesota. He's a stud. Love Jack. He's a hard worker, all grit. Uh, Gage Larvidane, um has not committed anywhere yet, but he has gotten a plenty of offers. Cephas Johnson has not declared for the draft yet. Um, still waiting on what he is going to do in the future of his football career. 
Returning players are Eli Sawyer. Um, he's going to probably be the starting QB next year unless they... Um, you, well, I'll get to it in a second. John Allen, All-American, offensive lineman, a.k.a. the Hulk. He's coming back. Excited to have him. Once you have somebody who's experienced like that and that's just a prestigious player on the offensive lineman, it makes you feel a lot more comfortable for the quarterback moving forward instead of all freshmen who really don't know what they're doing. You have John Allen, the Hulk, who is he? He's going to be the captain of the offensive line for sure. Riley Callahan, All-American kicker. He's coming back. And as far as I know, uh, one of my favorite guys on the planet, to be honest with you, Austin Dunlap, all-conference punter. He should be coming back. They were able to sign 20 people, um, including... Uh, Javion Sanchez, who's a JUCO product, defensive lineman from Tyler, Texas. Um, there's even a player who's from Germany. And uh, Coach Selfo said that he hasn't played the f game long enough. Um, so they'll be able to like mold him into something. Um, I think he's an offensive lineman uh, or something. Uh, like around that part. Which is great. Because now you have Frank Selfo, you have a lot of the coaching staff that is well, well developed. You have Coach AJ Hop, who will probably be able to um, mold this player who really doesn't have any. It's a good reason in the sense that he doesn't have any bad habits. And he can start fresh, he can learn from these great coaches and just become an outstanding, outstanding football player, no matter where they need him. Um, I'm excited. Uh, you know, Frank, Coach Frank Selfell, he is not like other coaches that I've met. Um, a lot of coaches are, are really just kind of just wired and just want to win football games, and that's it. C Coach Frank Selfell is a very personal guy, and he wants to get to know everybody on the staff, including strength and conditioning, athletic trainers, excuse me, uh, equipment managers, water boys, that type of deal. He wants to know every single person and, and what they're about um, before he decides, you know, yeah, you can you can hang out on the staff. You can be on the roster. He he he's a very personal person, and that is really you. You're starting to see the results. Is what I'm trying to say. You're starting to see results of what that can do to your football program, and I'm all here for it. Conference championship, second time. Um, uh, no, third time. Making it to the second round of the playoffs under his direction. Uh, Coach Frank Selfo has got something going on in Hammond, America, and I'm going to be covering it all year long. Super, super excited about that. Very passionate about that team. When it comes to LSU football, some might say that Brian Kelly wasn't good enough. I would say he's done an extraordinary job at LSU. He was able to beat Bama stay above 500, and he was able to win the SEC West and bring the Tigers to the championship of the SEC. Although they weren't able to win against Georgia, um, they're still able to play in a New York Six Bowl. His recruiting trail has been phenomenal. I didn't even realize, I looked at it and say, I didn't realize how many four-star recruits he got. He got a lot. I think he got double-digit double uh, four-star recruits. He's a phenomenal recruiter, and he, this was his first year, and he's already accomplished that much so far. A lot, there was a lot of doubts going into the football season with Brian Kelly at the helm for the LSU Tigers. 
Uh, and a lot of people gave up hope whenever he lost to Florida State. I actually gained hope when we lost to Florida State, oddly enough, because I knew that a lot of the things that were going on in that game was not under Coach Brian Kelly's control. There was a lot of other things. There was players who just weren't performing at the way that they should be, and the way that he handled it was phenomenal. He basically, he basically said, if you cannot perform at this level, you're going to go sit the bench. And that's what he did. I think it was, there was an offensive lineman that couldn't perform or like a tight end that couldn't perform. Um, and it was a reason why, you know, they were getting all the sacks. Uh, the special teams, he fixed that problem. Um, and there, there's a lot to be optimistic about going into the next year. Now, at the time of this recording, um, Tigers are playing tomorrow in a New York Six Bowl against Purdue, which is going to be interesting because uh, Coach Drew Brees is going to be coaching uh, Purdue's um, offense, which is going to be interesting. I can't wait to see that. Um, but I, 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 I think Brian Kelly's here to stay. He's done a phenomenal job in all the aspects. I give him an A minus, not an A plus. Um, which is reasonable. I'm not going to give him an A+, because he could have definitely done better. He could have, you know, um, steamrolled Arkansas. Um, he could have beat Florida State. Um, what was that other game? It was in, oh, Texas A&M. He was, he even admitted, he said, you know, I don't think we prepared enough, and I think we were too focused on the SEC championship. Honesty. Honesty is the best policy. Thank you, Coach, for that one. Um, but they can compete for a national championship next year, definitely. With all these recruits coming in, transfers coming in, you got five-star cornerback from Texas A&M coming back home to Louisiana. Let's go. I'm excited. Um, there's a lot to be optimistic about. I... I'm really excited to see about this quarterback um, from Baton Rouge. He's uh, a four-star quarterback that I think his name's Colin Woodley. Um, Colin Hurley. My bad. Colin Hurley. I think he's going to be phenomenal. Not just because he's a four-star quarterback. Um, and that's the thing. is LSU never gets these like four or five star quarterbacks ever. It's always like graduate transfers, transfers, whatever, and they make a name for themselves at LSU and then they're gone um uh, when they finally become like developed. This is a four star quarterback that's coming in fre fresh. Ah, I'm I'm super excited about this one. A lot to take away from LSU season this year. I think it was a phenomenal season. Don't put it past you and say that, you know, Brian Kelly had a terrible season because he didn't win the national championship. That's just way too naive. They have a chance to compete next year. And hopefully um, we start to become a serious dynasty once again um, if we're not already in the SEC. Dominant dynasty, though. Not just... Barely squeaking by Arkansas, not getting smoked by 
Texas A&M every other year. We have a chance to also play Florida State next year at the season opener. I hope they um, get revenge big time on that team. Speaking of revenge, Tulane football, amazing turnaround season. They went on a revenge tour after a 2-10 season. They won the conference. They went 10-2. They were able to land a spot in the New York Six Bowl, uh, New York Six Bowl, um, a Cotton Bowl against USC. They have the whole city on their back. I've never seen so many people want to support Tulane football than this year. Crazy, including myself. I hopped on the bandwagon. I'm not gonna lie. They had a great in-state recruiting trail as well, in-state and um, Texas. Coach Willie Fritz knows what's going on over there. He knows that, you know, he's, he's got a lot to compete with being in the same state as LSU and being in the middle of LSU and Ole Miss and Mississippi State and even Southern Miss. Oop. And um, there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of great talent in the area and there's a lot of great schools that surround Tulane. But to be honest with you, if I was a college student, and I was getting recruited to either Tulane or Ole Miss, I'd probably go Tulane because Tulane is such a prestigious school in the South. That would look phenomenal, you know, if you weren't going pro. And a lot of players don't go pro, and they need a good resume, college resume, getting a job. And Tulane would get you a job instantly. Anyways. They had a phenomenal year. They have a chance to beat USC tomorrow at the time of this recording. I'm going to be watching both games. They're going to be happening at the same time, which is insane. Um, I'm excited. I'm pumped. Um, I'm glad that, that football in Louisiana this year wasn't too terribly bad, you know, regarding the Saints, whatever. But LSU performed phenomenally, better than so many people's expectations. I think LSU was ranked like close to last in the SEC in the preseason poll. Tulane, nobody even cared about Tulane. You kidding me? Now, everyone's talking about Tulane. I think also whenever the college football playoff is opened up to, it's almost like an FCS type deal. I think that Tulane could honestly, if they continue this route, could make a run for the national championship. I'm not saying they'll win the national championship. I'm not saying they'll make it to the national championship game, but I could definitely see them making it to like a semifinal or a second round in the college football playoff, whatever. I, I think they could. I think they honestly could. I would love to see that happen. So tomorrow at the time of this recording, college football will be over. Saints. We'll have one more game to play since they are done. Their playoff hopes are lost because the Vikings lost. But, I mean, even if the Vikings won, there would still have to be, like, four other things to happen. And we all know how, you know, four-way parlays work. They never do. The NOLA Breakers are coming back for season two. Um, they got a new head football coach, uh, John DeFlippo. Um, new GM, Ryan Jones, and a new quarterback at Akil Glass. 
I remember being on Southeastern's football staff and hearing the name Akil Glass because you never heard anything else coming out of Alabama A&M. You didn't. Um, they were in and out of the top 20. They, they had their playoff hopes alive and everything. And you didn't hear anything else but Akil Glass. And Akil Glass made a run for like the number one player in FCS that year. He's a phenomenal player. I can't wait to see him play for New Orleans. I'm so exactly, uh, so excited, so excited to watch him play. Um, especially the fact that he is just a phenomenal player, and I've seen him play. Going into the first USFL season, I didn't know anything about Kyle Sloter, and Kyle Sloter is now going to the XFL, which is why they picked up Akil Glass. So now that I know something about Akil Glass, now that I've seen him play, now that I know his name, I am that just more excited to watch the Breakers play. And the fact that I just got Peacock. So I'll be able to watch all the games instead of, oh, yeah, let's go to the bar because I probably got Peacock on or NBC. Now I can watch it at home. Uh, Breakers will be playing in Birmingham again this year. Um, They haven't fully decided on where the Northern teams are going to be playing. and They're probably going to be picking two places um, just like the South, again, um, trying to maximize revenue without losing enough money and everything, especially with competing against the XFL now. Um, and Dwayne the Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson has a lot of money to just spend. However, Birmingham is not that far away. It's just going to be us and the Stallions hosting in Birmingham. And then the Showboats and the Houston Gamblers will be playing in Memphis. Um, and, and that's great because um, both ways, actually, uh, I think Memphis, I think Memphis is 30 minutes further from my place um, than Birmingham is. So I'll probably be making trips to both Birmingham and Memphis in the coming season um, to go watch the Breakers play. I absolutely love the USFL. Um, again, I am more of a minor league in college football kind of person than a professional you know, NBA and <coughs> uh, NFL. Only because every single year could be a new year. Every single year could be like a complete roster swipe and clean house and you're just getting a full new team it's exciting um it's not the same team every single year it's not the same coaching staff that you know are going to make the same mistakes every single year it's a new program pretty much every single year so i'm especially excited to see the breakers speaking of new program or i should say returning program Baton Rouge is looking to add hockey. I love hockey. My team is the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that's a little bit far away from New Orleans. Now, Baton Rouge is looking to bring back a hockey team. This used to be the old ECHL, and now it's become the FPHL. It's called the Federal Prospects Hockey League. And every single team that has returned from the ECHL has retained retain their uh their old name so from my point of view i think that they're going to be renamed the kingfish and i'm pretty sure that they're going to be a team next year 
because they've exceeded every single ticket, um, single game ticket uh, goal. I think uh, their goal was 5,000 um, tickets sold every uh, for every game. First one, they made it uh, over 5,000. Second one, I think they made it over 6,000. And then this third one, which at the time of this recording is tomorrow, um, they sold out. And it's unfortunate that I won't be able to go see them and watch them play um, because I absolutely loved watching both the first and second games back in Baton Rouge. Um, very unfortunate I won't be able to go see them play. However, I will be sticking to them uh, very, very close, trying to figure out what's going on in Baton Rouge, when's the team coming back, who are they getting, what's the team name, all that jazz. I am, I am so excited. There has been a team, you know, in Lafayette called the Drillers. There has been a team um, in Shreveport called the Mudbugs that are still around, um, still hanging around. But it's kind of hard for me and a lot of people in the southeast area of Louisiana to go to these games um, knowing full well you'll probably drive more than watch the game. So you got to make like a whole weekend out of it and making a weekend out of in Shreveport's uh, a little interesting. So I'm extremely excited for possible Kingfish to come back and not only for the Kingfish to be here, but they have the Mississippi Sea Wolves, which is in the Gulfport Coliseum. That is not that far away either. That will probably be a rivalry. Um, Whenever the kingfish are brought back, hypothetically, they will name the kingfish. But when the kingfish are brought back, um, that's exciting because you think about it, um, you have the chance to go and travel to um another state and go watch them play away and still be quite close to home that you can drive home at night after the game. I can't wait to see it. The River Center is in a, a, a great spot. I think they'll sell out probably 3,500 tickets a game. Um, they need to figure out a little, something a little bit better with the concessions. I'm not going to lie um, because the concessions are definitely crowded and they were definitely overwhelmed um, the first game. And I, it was funny because my dad and I got tickets um, to the first game and we walked up and, well, first of all, before we got there, the freaking... Uh, line was out the door because the computers were down at that at time that the doors opened so they were unprepared there and then um we just kept seeing more and more people pour in throughout the game i was like this is insane i didn't expect this many people i didn't expect 2,000 people at the first game let alone 5,000 then 6,000 and now it's a sold out game Baton Rouge wants the puck. He, they want the puck. And I'm so happy that they do and that I'm not the only person in town that wants um, hockey to be brought back to the state of Louisiana. Oh, well, it's already in the state of Louisiana, but you know what I mean, in a professional sense. Now, kind of speaking on the professional minor league um, teams, the USL which is a soccer league, United Soccer League, um, is thinking about bringing a team to NOLA. 
and they're bringing, thinking about bringing a team to NOLA in the year 2024-2025. This is more of a trying to ride the wave of the coming World Cup in the sense that they hope that many more people in the area, many more people um, just in the entire United States will start to catch on. Uh, to um, you know, soccer. I I've been a fan of soccer my whole life. I've been a uh soccer player um since I was four. I enjoy the game of soccer. Um, I'm one of those weird people that will actually be entertained for you know ninety minutes watching a soccer game, even if it's zero zero. Me myself, I I I I'm gonna be excited when USL comes, but I am. A bit skeptical in the fact that New Orleans has already had a team called the New Orleans Jesters, and they, I mean, they've been around for a long time. However, not many people go to those games. And they're thinking about building a whole stadium by the Saints facility and the Shrine on Airline for this USL team um, in hopes that they will sell tickets and. They will grow a large fan base, and they will hop on the World Cup wave. Me, personally, I'm going to go to the games. I'm going to go watch them. I'm going to be excited. But me, personally, I don't think this team is going to last in New Orleans very long. I'm just being realistic. I'm not trying to ride a bandwagon here or anything and just say, like, oh, they're going to be here forever, and this is, like, the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's not. Probably won't happen long and it is upsetting to say but it is the honest truth so i will continue to update you that's literally the only news that i have on the soccer team because i mean it's in 2024 2025 that they'll, they're gonna announce the team they're actually gonna play and that's like right before the next world cup and the previous world cup just happened so it's gonna be a while and they have I, they haven't started building the stadium at all. So once more news comes out about that, I'll be first to report. But what I would like from you guys, um, especially with this team, I have no idea what this team is about. Uh, the Nola Gold rugby team. I have watched a few games on YouTube, trying to keep up, and I don't know much about rugby. And but it does look interesting. I am very very uh so into it. Um, but I just, I just don't understand it, um, enough to really, really grasp onto it. I want to, I think that is, looks like a really cool sport. Um, and I'm trying to, you know, be supportive of Louisiana. So if you're a Nola Gold fan out there who's listening to this, please let me know, um, some of the rules, keep me a little educated. I'm going to go to some games. I'm going to watch them on TV. Um, and just try and really, really immerse myself in the Nola Gold from like fresh, not knowing anything about rugby, to if hopefully, you know, becoming a serious Nola Gold fan. But what I do know about is um, college football, uh, college baseball. LSU preseason ranked number one nationally. Awesome, considering they've struggled the past couple of years, but I think they they've they've started to fix a problem, especially with the recruiting that they've done. 
and Southeastern coming off a conference championship and a ticket to the big dance. I think both teams are going to do phenomenal. I think both teams are going to have a phenomenal year. They're going to, you know, they got something to prove. Um, LSU, meaning that they deserve number one. They deserve to be ranked number one. Um, and Southeastern, meaning that they have a title to defend and that it just wasn't like a fluke that happened in Lake Charles when they won against McNeese in the conference championship. It wasn't um, just random. And it wasn't just Preston Faulkner uh, carrying the team the entire time. They got some studs on that team. And Matt Ry Coach Matt Reiser um, knows that. And he... So, the thing about Southeastern, what a lot of people don't know, is that Southeastern, for a long time, a long time, is a baseball school. It was not a football school. Coach Frank Selfo recently made Southeastern an all-sports school, okay? And now the basketball teams have started to buy into that. The volleyball team has won the championship, conference championship. The golf team won the conference championship. All these coaches are starting to buy into the mentality, but it all started with baseball. Baseball has forever, at Southeastern, been a dominant force, okay? And... Time and time again, you know, they they play LSU. They bring, you know, they bring the wood, um, so to speak. They knocked off uh number one. Well, they yeah, they knocked off number one Ole Miss in Hammond. And I think they what was it, Arkansas or or Arizona last year? Uh when they were ranked number one, uh Southeastern beat them. Southeastern beat LSU when I was in school at Southeastern. And that was a phenomenal game. And they're going to play again on May 2nd um, this year. I will definitely be at that game. And I'm going to be hooting and hollering that entire time. Southeastern and LSU got a lot to prove in baseball. They've proven a lot that they, you know, they can compete and they can hang up there. Um, both. Both teams. Um... At the national scene, um, LSU used to be a, a baseball dynasty, and they're starting to reclaim it. Southeastern could be a baseball dynasty, and they need to defend the throne next year, so to speak. One team that hasn't been brought about a lot in, you know, uh, Louisiana sports in general that I am pleased to be bringing about exclusively, pretty much, um. We, well, exclusively weekly uh, is NOLA Flight. NOLA Flight is an esports team that is based in New Orleans, Louisiana. It is the premier esports team of Louisiana. And I am excited to be reporting on them because I joined NOLA Flight as a content creator last year. Uh, it's starting to work its way into a, a year of membership with them. Phenomenal people, amazing people. Um, they have teams in Modern Warfare 2, Challengers, uh, U18, COD, uh, Rocket League, Apex, Halo. Not only are they doing phenomenal online, but whenever they go to lands, they are they're doing great. They're 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 lasting all the way to like the fourth round, the third round, um, which is 
you know, a lot more than, than a lot of other people, um, especially in the amateur scene. Um, they, they've recently uh, took home second place in the New Year's um, Invitational that was online. Um, their Halo team is phenomenal. Their, their Modern Warfare 2 Challengers team um, has been star-studded. Their U18 COD team has been star-studded. There is a lot to to gloat about when it comes to NOLA Flight, and not many people talk about them. They went their their goal last year was five lands. They went to ten. They did great in them. They have a land coming up in February in Boston. I don't remember what game it was. I'll have to contact the CEO of NOLA Flight, Brandon, and figure out what that was. Because I'm gonna be watching it and I'm gonna be commenting uh commentating over it. They have a huge presence online. They are not just some esports team that is trying to start up. Um, they are well established. A lot of people know them. A lot of people respect them. And this team just needs a little bit more spotlight in in the state of Louisiana. I think with a lot of like funding and backing from the state of Louisiana and the city of New Orleans, this team could be at the next level where you know they're competing against Phase and Optic and. Hundred thieves. I, you know, th I'm I'm really really excited to be pretty much their voice when it comes to speaking about what they're up to weekly, and I will be, you know, whenever they have like a game in in some uh competition, or you know they just recruited somebody or or whatever, I'm gonna be commenting on it and on the podcast because their voice deserves to be shared. Love Nola Flight. Love everybody there. And I'm excited to share them on my platform. So a little recap. Saints had a really rocky season. They need to fix a lot of things in the offseason. They need to start clearing out some of that staffing issue. And they really need to find a way to get a quarterback in this upcoming draft. They need a quarterback. I know that is said time and time again, year after year, that the Saints need a quarterback. The time is now. The time is now. It has never been more obvious than right now, especially with Andy Dalton as our starting quarterback. And man, he is a dumpster fire right now. Yeah, he's won a couple of games in a row, uh, but he also got sacked seven times this past game because he holds on to the ball too long. Pelicans, best in the West. Coach of the year needs to be Willie Green. Um, comeback player of the year needs to be Zion. LSU football, Brian Kelly has done a phenomenal job this year. Uh, beat a lot of expectations. Tulane football, Willie Fritz, fantastic job. He, I'm glad he's staying at Tulane. He's got a lot um, to prove there uh, going forward that he can you know, create some sort of dynasty there. Southeastern has become a face to be rec a force to be reckoned with in the Southland Conference. I love it, love it, love it, love it. Especially being a proud alumni there. Nola Gold, I like to learn more. USL Nola soccer team, I love to learn more about what's coming up. Baton Rouge Pro Hockey, I can't wait for them to have a successful 
night tomorrow night uh and moving forward to figure out uh what's the team name going to be we all know what it's going to be where what's the merch going to look like what the team's going to look like super excited about that nola breakers can't wait for their season to start and start kicking off and to hear more about Akil Glass and, and more picks that they're, they're starting to gather up. College baseball is coming around, right around the corner. And uh, NOLA Flight has a, a land coming up in Boston in February. Thank you guys so much for listening to Chop That Podcast. You can watch it on YouTube if you so certainly please. Or you can listen to it on Spotify, Anchor, uh, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. This was the first one. If I messed up, I'm so sorry. Um, I haven't done a podcast for this long in a very long time. And this is only uh, first to come for the Chop That Podcast. It will get better. Um, I can't wait to uh, tell you guys everything that's going on in the sports world of uh, Louisiana. So, thank you guys so much. If you would and you enjoyed this podcast, please hit that subscribe button. It means a lot to me. And it shows that um, there are people who are wanting to continue to listen to the podcast. Um, and it gives you me a little bit more motivation to make these weekly. I do plan on making these weekly. These will come out either Sunday or Monday, depending on um, when I record them. So thank you guys so much. Um, I love you all. And I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day or night, whatever it may be. Thank you.